Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Old-time Big Ten football. Yeah. Touchdown, Purdue! Hello, everyone. Welcome into another edition of Behind the Rails of Purdue Football on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Bryce Vance. Make sure you give the show a subscribe, a follow, wherever you are listening, whether you're listening into the audio-only version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'd love to get more subscribers. Tell your friends about the show. If if they're an avid Purdue fan or a fan of Big Ten football, make sure that you tell a friend to subscribe to the channel so we get more listeners, so you can have something to talk about with them. Um, you know, as as somebody who's always looking for conversation starters with some of their buddies, this would be a great one. Tell them to subscribe, tell them to comment, like the video, or follow the podcast wherever they listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or those loyal listeners on Overcast, I see the numbers on there. They're definitely growing on that app as well. So wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed to Behind the Rails. You can also find the show at youtube.com slash Behind the Rails. You can give me a follow on social media as well, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok. They're all Bryce double underscore Vance. So if you want to get snippets of the show or Purdue commentary, uh, those are the places that you can find it. As you can see in the podcast description and title, we're going to be talking about the Purdue defense for the 2023 season. After uh, talking about the offense and the storylines in the first couple of podcasts, we're going to dive deep into the defense. We're going to go uh, by units uh, with the defensive line, edge rushers, linebackers, secondary. Um, and then at the very end, we're going to touch on the special teams. Uh, there's uh, a couple of things to get into with the special teams units coming up for this season. A couple of uh, key pieces to replace in, in that area. Can't forget about that side of the football. Football is a game of three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. So we can't forget about the kickers and punters. Some people say they're football players, too. I kind of tend to agree with them that they are football players, maybe just not to the certain level as you know, a linebacker or an offensive lineman, but they have their place in football and in special teams in college football. You never can know what is going to happen on any given special teams play. There's so many exciting special teams plays that we're going to give some of those players on the Boilermakers um, some shine later on. But first, let's get into the defense. What are our expectations of this defense? It needs to improve, right? And I think Purdue fans have been saying that it needs to improve the last few seasons. I think there was a couple of years under Jeff Brom where the defense was in a good place. Uh, maybe not the greatest defense, but it could hold up when you needed it to. Can Ryan Walters, Kevin Kane turn this defense into a unit 
that is going to be improved from where they were last year. Last year, the defense was not very good, not very good at all. In a lot of certain areas uh, that need to improve this season. And I think Ryan Walters has hopefully addressed some of those uh, via the transfer portal. Um, And will those pieces be starters? Will those pieces have uh, a much better impact than what they have had at those key positions that they're replacing? I think so. Because for Purdue to be a contender in the Big Ten West, for Purdue to make a bowl, for Purdue to be competitive week in and week out, this defense has to be better. It must be better, or none of the thing, none of those things are going to happen. If the defense remains the same as it was last year, the defense is going to, or the team, I should say, is going to be fighting for a bowl. They're not going to be competitive each and each week in and week out. And they're not going to be a contender in the Big Ten West. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be a contender in the Big Ten West. Uh, I think I'm going to give more insight into that on our next episode when we break down the schedule and actually look at the competition that Purdue is facing in the last year of divisions in the Big Ten Conference before the West Coast schools move in. But this defense must be better. And I think it will be better, which I think is something that Purdue fans should be excited for, should look forward to, is that this unit should be improved. Let's start with the defensive line. I think Purdue did a fine job as far as getting after the quarterback, as far as uh, plugging the gaps for where uh, linebackers could fill and make uh, stops in the hole on running backs. But I think there's not going to be a whole lot of change, at least up front, for what this defense is going to look like. Because you got to remember, it's going to be um, Coach Kane's defense, and it's mostly going to be Ryan Walter's defense, and, and Coach Kane is going to be running it. Um, because what Walters ran at Illinois – was a three-man front, kind of a 3-4-4 kind of defense, you know, 3-4 base defense, and then, you know, more than likely go to somewhat of a 3-3-5 as well. But you're going to have three down linemen up front, uh, and I think that that should be improved. You have uh, at at the nose, you have uh, Demarja Lewis. You also have Cole Brevard. I think you're set at those uh, for those two guys to rotate in and out uh, after you know Lewis missed the the whole last season. I think you know that could give an advantage to Brevard and him sharing time. But I think those two guys are talented enough up front to be uh, a solidifying anchor for that the, for that defensive front. Uh, on the edges at on the ends, you have Malik Langham who comes in from Vanderbilt, and you have Jeffrey Imba over from Auburn, guys that have experience in the SEC. I think they're coming in and probably should be the presumed starters coming in and and filling in on the edges. I think that gives you a boost because otherwise you were looking at guys who hadn't had a whole lot of experience coming in. And, you know, whether or not that could be an improvement or not, I think it it was up for debate. But I think when you bring in guys that have – Power, 
power five experience prior and you bring them in, you can kind of plug those guys in. And while you have guys that are going to be rotational pieces, not every down uh, type guys right away, they're still kind of learning um, what it is, what's it like to be a college football player. You have a lot of youth behind Imba and, and Malik um, Langham. So those two guys, I think, will be good stop gaps because uh, I think that after uh, probably this season, at least Langham will move on. He's a graduate uh, player. And uh, those are good guys to have while your younger guys get experience, get in the rotation a little bit, and you can grow this defensive line to be formidable for years to come. And I think it should be improved than what it was last year. And uh, I think that that they should be able to get after the quarterback. They should be able to uh, hold them, hold the line of scrimmage a lot better than than what they were last year, yeah, because they need to get more pressure on the quarterback to help out their secondary, which we'll get into here in a, here in a few moments. But I, I think when you move uh, back a unit on that defensive side of the ball into the linebacking core, into kind of the other other edge type rushers. I think you have some homegrown kind of guys um, with Nick Scourton, uh, formerly Nick Carraway, uh, who was one of your top defenders uh, coming back. And you also have guys that have experience on that side of the ball with Kadron Jenkins, who led the team in tackles last season. And excuse me, he didn't lead the team. In, in tackles last season, he led it in uh, in sacks and and tackles for loss. That's what he led the team in. Uh, but you have Caraway, who got a lot of experience as a true freshman, uh, had the most tackles as a true freshman uh, since George Karloftis. And you have to remember George's brother, younger brother Yanni, is there as well, kind of in that linebacking edge rushing kind of position. Um, when you kind of look at the linebackers slash edge rushers. You have that experience. You have guys that have seen some time um, with OC brothers, Clyde Washington, Dominic Moon, Karloftis, as I mentioned, um, Drain Jenkins. I think that is a pretty solid group of guys that have experience or are young but are talented and got some sort of playing time last season or in prior seasons. So I think that's going to be a really solid unit for this defense because that's where this the strength of the defense is going to be. And it needs to solidify this defense into what it can become. Help out the defensive front. Help out the uh, the secondary behind them. Because I'm trying to think of, of guys that they're going to be covering. You know, you have a lot of, of good tight ends that they're going to be covering uh, at Ohio State, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, you know, the span forward at Minnesota. There's going to be teams that have a lot of tight ends that the, the these guys are going to have to cover uh, potentially. Or you know, if it's up to the safeties, you also feel comfortable with that as well. That you would feel a whole lot better of these guys controlling the middle of the field, being able to take down some of the better backs that the Big Ten does offer. I, I feel pretty comfortable that this is probably the best part of the defense. Maybe it's the the two safeties that are behind them, you could argue. But it feels like up the middle of this defense, you feel like you know what you're going to have and is 
a part of your defense that can be reliable that you should feel like nobody should be able to beat you up the middle with what you have with this defense and the experience that comes back with it. As I mentioned with Lewis Brevard at nose, and then you have guys in the middle, OC brothers, Clyde Washington up the middle guys that have experience and you're going to be on the edges. Seeing if that youth and that experience and that transfer portal comes to fruition with guys on the edge, with the transfers that I mentioned uh, with Emba and, and Langham, can they, you know, do their job on the outside? I think when you go back to linebacker, the unit, I, I feel like that is going to be a, a strength of this defense as well as the safeties. Uh, we'll get to corner here in a sec. Probably the, the biggest question mark, of, of this entire defense is going to be that corner spot uh, just because of, of what happened uh, this past week with, with Jamari Brown leaving the program. He was probably going to be, he looked like maybe in the spring he was going to be a starter uh, come this for this coming season, maybe saw his place on the depth chart and probably wasn't, maybe wasn't a fan of it and decided to leave the program, and enter the transfer portal. But anyways, let's get to the safeties. I think with the safeties with Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen, probably your two best defenders, uh, two of your better defenders, maybe Cam Allen, uh, your best player on the whole defensive side of the ball, uh, was all over the field. Kane was the top tackler uh, last season. Allen was the havoc type player with, um, you know, with interceptions. Uh, passes defended, uh, fumble recoveries. He was just all over the field in that aspect. And then you had Kane, uh, your leading tackler, which, you know, hopefully that front seven improves enough to where that Kane is not having to clean up after everything, uh, even though he has that ability to get downfield and make the and make that plays in the run game and the pass game and help clean up as well. Uh, it feels like with these two guys in the back – uh, of of your defense, you feel like that is going to help out your corners who are a bit of a question mark at this point. Now let's get to the corners that feel like they are a question mark of this defense. Can they improve after being kind of the weakness, the weakest part of this defense last year and giving up a a ton of plays? Because this was one of the worst passing defenses in the Big Ten. They gave up uh, yards per pass was 7.7 yards. So every time there was a pass being thrown, more than likely it was almost good enough for a first down. Very, very close to a first down or making it second and three, second and two. Very manageable. Uh, or on third down when it's third and six, a lot of the time it's going to pick up a first down. That's what this defense needs to improve on. I think that they did a decent job of forcing turnovers. Had, you know, a handful of guys that had an interception. You know, you had Cam Allen, who led the team with three. Can this defense improve enough with the guys that they brought in from the transfer portal? I think that the biggest name that you're looking at to hopefully improve out wide is Marquise Wilson. Can he help improve this secondary? You didn't know maybe he was going to possibly be be coming in and being a starter, uh, but I think he kind of has to, especially with 
with Jamari Brown leaving the program, uh, does that open up the door for Marcavius Brown? Another transfer, do, does he or Braxton Myers, the other Ole Miss transfer, Brown uh, and Myers, both being transfers from Ole Miss, uh, do do they also step in? I, I, don't even, I don't even think I mentioned that Marquise is a transfer from Penn State. So, And then you also have Salim Turner-Muhammad, who's also another transfer from Stanford. And these are the guys that are going to be making up the secondary, whether they're either playing the, the, the two outside corners or the nickel corner. Can these guys solidify this pass defense? Now, you feel like that with the work that they're going to get in the secondary and the tutelage that they're going to get under Ryan Walters, it, it feels like that they're going to be much improved in this area. They need to be improved in this area because I think this is where the defense kind of let down a lot last year with the big plays and stuff like that and getting beat over the top. Can these guys prevent those big plays and not getting beat so often and keep this team in it? Now, is this what they're going to do every single year? That's the question. I don't know if they're going to go to the portal every single year to find what they need at at corner. I think this is just what they have to do for this season, for this defense to be uh, hopefully improved, especially in, in the past defense, giving up uh, about 7.7 yards per pass last season. You hope that they improve and that it's going to be kind of piecemealing this together. Again, similar to what I talked about with the, with the guys on the edge, the defensive ends, that you have guys behind them that get in the rotation, get experience, and are uh, going to be taking over by the time these guys graduate or leave the program so that it's not going to be a significant drop-off because you probably would have had that had you not gone into the transfer portal and gotten these hands full of guys. Now, one transfer that I think is – might be more significant than than others, I, I think, is is Bostros Alessandro. Now, you probably have never heard of that name before in your life, unless you are a diehard Purdue fan and you know that he transferred in. Uh, he transferred in after going to the Juco route. Uh, he did play at, I believe, New Hampshire uh, prior to that. So, a newer guy, I think he's one of the biggest corners that uh, Purdue has on the roster. I think he's 196-1 in that range. You're going to need some size. All the other guys are around six foot. He's your biggest corner at 6'1", uh, according to the roster on the website. So can he get in there as well? I think he's got a good chance, um, has experience, not at this high level, though, so that could be a concern. But with what you have with this defense, you're hoping that these changes, these transfers are a significant step up. Can you go from a defense that allowed 29.5 points per game in the 80s as far as allowing um, scoring defense 84th, can you shave three to five points off that that's a significant jump up. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. You're hoping that goes down while the offense does their handles their business and does their job and improves their 
points per game last over what they did last season, which was about 24 points per game on the offensive side. So if they can raise their ceiling to, you know, or their base level, their average to 24 to 27, 28 points per game, while the defense lowers their average down to 25, 24 per points per game, that's a recipe for more wins, uh, more than what you're expected to go into this season. I think the expectation is for this team to finish around 500. Can they surprise people and, and pick up that eighth win, that, that seventh or eighth win that not a lot of people are expecting of them for this season? I think if this defense makes that significant jump up, if this secondary improves, those transfers come in and be impact players, can the guys that are new on the edge, can they come in and be what Ryan Walters wants as far on, on his defense? You know, he likes those guys that are big up front. And just look at what he had with Newton Randolph Jr. At, at Illinois. Those were big guys that were rushing off the edge, but they were impactful guys. They were averaging in the double digits of, of tackles for loss and, and getting to the quarterback for sacks. And they were just havoc type players. Ryan Walters isn't going to make this defense the number one scoring defense overnight. He's not going to take it from 84th to one, but can he take it from 84th to 60th to 50th? I mean, again, that's, that's a significant improvement. There's no way that it's going to go from 84th to being in the top 10 overnight. I think it's going to take some time. You're going to have to develop some of these younger guys, some of these younger recruits that I, I think Purdue has done a good job of getting some some high-level talent. There's getting some of the guys that are the top-ranked players in the state of Indiana. Can he develop those into being high-level Power 5 football players? I think there's a good chance. He's got a good track record of it so far in his, in his coaching career. Can he get his coaches to also do that as well? I think there's a, a good trend uh, for what he has done in the past that should improve this defense by a significant margin because I think if it if it does improve over the course of the next couple of seasons, I think we could be talking about, you know, a defense that may crack the top 25 and is a very good defense uh, that is for years to come under Ryan Walters because that is his calling card. Can the offense also remain at a, a good level and trend in the right direction as well? I just don't think we're going to see it in year one. Uh, you would hope that it at least gets better because it's going to be a whole lot better than what it was last year. It, Purdue fans hope you have to hope because if it doesn't, then this team doesn't get to a bowl game, doesn't compete for the big 10 West, doesn't compete week in and week out on, on every given Saturday or Friday that they, they play randomly against Wisconsin uh, later on, early in the early part of the season. So that's where I think where we stand on the defensive side. Let's talk a little bit about the special teams real quick before we wrap up the podcast here. I think there are a couple of spots where you should feel comfortable with what Purdue brings uh, to the table as far as special teams. You're going to have a new punt returner this year uh, after Charlie Jones. Uh, you know, graduates and, and is drafted in the NFL. Uh, who is going to take over for that? Is it going to be Andrew Sawinski? Is it going to be Zion Steptoe? Or does TJ Sheffield 
get into that mix as well. Uh, we're going to have to, I think, find out probably week one who's going to be lining up back there against Fresno State. I think because you have Deion Burks, who returned most of your kicks kickoffs from last year. He's back. Probably have a similar role or one of those three guys that I mentioned fills in if Burks takes over a little bit more of a role on, on the offense. We'll have to see. But I think they're very productive back there. Are you going to get a similar productive uh, person like Charlie Jones who can make explosive plays on any given snap? Potentially. There's a couple of speedy guys that I just mentioned or guys that have the instincts to make big plays like a TJ Sheffield or a Zion Steptoe who can use his speed and elusiveness uh, to evade tacklers. So in the return game, I think it could be exciting for for either of those guys that that you put back there uh, to return punts. Punting for Purdue, you have to feel comfortable with Jack Ansel coming back. Uh, He was named to the Ray Guy watch list, so that's the award that's given out to the top punter in the country. So with him uh, coming back for another season, you have to feel pretty good. He averaged, I believe, over 40 yards per punt, so you feel like he should help you out in that side, in that aspect of, of special teams. Because if the offense doesn't live up to the billing, uh, you know, you feel comfortable that you have a punter that is going to flip the field, uh, hopefully pin defenses back or pin opposing offenses back, that this he's a, a good solid piece to have uh, for Purdue uh, coming back this season. As far as kickoffs and field goals and PATs, I think it's probably going to be um, Freehill, Ben Freehill, who has the more experience of the the two options that Purdue has. Uh, It was either him or Julio Macias, uh, who I covered in high school as a a former small uh, newspaper reporter. I covered Julio. I saw many of his kickoffs. I saw the the leg strength that he does have, and it's a, a big leg. Uh, it was a, it was a big deal for him and his family and that community that he grew up in in West Noble for him to uh, get to uh, the, the Power Five level. It was a, a dream of his. Um, and Julio, a, a really good kid, may see sometimes. I think he got a kickoff or two against Indiana State last year. Might get you know similar opportunity if it's garbage time and they want to see what the kid has, or if Freehill has a off game or two and they decide to make a change. I think you would still feel decently enough about Macias coming in because he does have a, a big leg uh, that, that should help out this team probably more than likely next year after Freehill graduates. But Freehill is the likely starter uh, at kickoff PATs, field goals, uh, with Macias being a capable backup if if needed. That'll do it. Here for this episode of Behind the Rails of Purdue Football on the Believe Network. Make sure you are subscribed. Tell a friend to subscribe. Like the video on YouTube if you're watching the podcast that way. Follow the podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed and get that notification setting to where there's going to be another video that you are getting that video right away or that podcast right away, and you can watch it uh, right away as soon as it drops. With this one dropping on Monday, the next one is expected to drop out, drop off on uh, on Thursday. So 
make sure you have that notification setting to where you get that notification because the schedule that we're going to have in season is going to follow a similar format. The earlier episode in the week might drop uh, late on the weekend on a Sunday before the next week um, following. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you get that notification setting on to make sure that you get the video or the podcast right away. This has been another edition of Behind the Rails of Purdue Football. I've been your host, Bryce Vance. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.